Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Joe Wheat, that's at Joe Wheat 27 with my boys uh, Trevor, T-Love Y-Fan, and uh, Hunter Miller. Uh, boys, how are we doing uh, this morning? We're, we're switching it up and we're, we're to break the fourth wall a little bit. We're recording this one on Thursday <laughs> morning because uh, Hunter's got some big plans tonight with uh, with his better half. So uh, it's, it's a little early. Um, I uh, am not a morning person, so... Uh, bear with me as my brain starts to wake up a little bit but uh boys how we doing it is early it was essentially this or like midnight tonight <laughs> or just you and trevor so i'm, <laughs> I'm fortunate that you guys picked the nine o'clock in the morning we're, we're glad to have you on hunter for sure it, it wouldn't nine be the o'clock same in the morning you know it's it's so early yeah it, it for me it is when i when i start work closer to like 10 every day it's i wake up at 9 30 which i you, hot take here's the first hot take of the day 9 30 is the perfect time to wake up in the morning but i digress i wish uh, i could wake up at nine yeah, i can work wise i'm i would be able to physically i'm unable to <laughs> but are you are you a work from home guy or what yeah i work about three feet from my bed so that's uh that's that's why hey. i stand on the situation quite the, quite the commute i was gonna say give it a couple months you'll be working in your bed <laughs> that three feet is gonna slowly no, shrink it, over time it's, it's a temptation but you know what over the years of sitting in california traffic my entire life to to commute places i deserve this i deserve uh <laughs> i deserve just getting out of bed and walking to my desk but uh you know the anyways, hours that you've put in to accomplish this What's uh, say? Does anyone know the hours that you've put in to be able to reach this point? Oh, that's where you you don't have to commute. I mean, I'm from Southern California, where traveling 30 miles can take two hours, depending on uh, depending on where you're at. So, uh, thankfully, I am not doing that. Um, You'd find a much unhappier young man before you uh, if that was the case. But. uh, Gentlemen, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, last night, we got some fun belt action uh, that was uh, that was just terrific. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, but start of the NBA season, uh, we got October baseball. It's it's that time of year where all the majors, all the things that I love, are going on at the same time. Uh, so the question is: Is what game were you guys watching last night? This this shows where your loyalties lie as far as sports go. But were you watching the Coastal game? Were you watching the Jazz game or some other NBA game? Or were you watching uh, Hunter's Red Sox? Um, Hunter, you want to take over on that Hey, easy. (laughs) Easy. Um, I was at, so I was at the Jazz, working the Jazz game. So if you don't know, I have a part-time gig working every Jazz home game, doing some media relations and communication stuff. Uh, as part of their PR team. So I was working the Jazz game before the Jazz game started. However, I was at the arena, and fortunately on one of the TVs in the offices we were at, had the Red Sox game going. I watched about five minutes of it total, I think, because uh, there wasn't much to watch from a Red Sox perspective. It was like 6 nothing when I got to the arena. It was quickly thereafter. It was like 7-1. I don't even know what the final score was because I kind of stopped watching. Um, Nine to one, just in case you were wondering. See, there you go. As soon as the umpire, uh, the clown umpire, I don't even remember his name, Yaz Diaz or something like that, um, 
I don't even want to remember his name, but I think it's, <laughs> it's going to be seared. His last name, at least, is seared into my brain. His missed strike three call a couple of nights ago with two outs in the top of the ninth inning that you know allowed the Astros to eventually go on their big run, and the Red Sox lost that game in the series tied that kind of seemed to let the air out of the uh, the Red Sox roster. So unfortunately, trailing 3-2, what can you do about it? We're playing with house money at this point because before the season started, no one even expected the Red Sox to make the playoffs. So, you know, eventually uh, I'll be disappointed if they lose, obviously. But, you know, how disappointed can you be when everything that they've done this season was an over-accomplishment? But the Jazz win, it was a boring Jazz game. Uh, you know, playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, it's not like they have any players worth watching. Derek, It was a Derek Favors return to Salt Lake, which I think was the only thing, you know, worth watching in that game last night with the Jazz. But uh, the drubbing of the Los Angeles Dodgers quickly made up for the Red Sox (laughs) loss. So I'll take it. Yeah. The uh, Oklahoma city draft picks is I prefer to call them, but uh, so my dad's actually, so you guys are going to hate this. My dad's actually a a converted Dodgers fan. Like Hunter, it could be worse. You could be an angels fan. That is what I am. And my baseball existence has been confined to watching the greatest baseball players of all time bail out of the season in August. So it, it could be worse. My dad got so frustrated with the Angels and uh, whatever their pitching staff they throw out there that uh, he decided that he was tired of being a loser, wanted to be a winner, um, and decided to jump on the Dodgers bandwagon uh, last season, and they went on to win the championship. Um so he was actually at the Dodgers game last night and was a sad boy leaving the stadium. So, uh, sad Dodger fans are always the best Dodger fans. I will say you that. You know, so um, so last year when the Dodgers were down three one, I I drafted to the to the Braves actually. I yeah. drafted a I drafted a text to my dad. Um, so when the Braves won, I was I would be able to say to the family group chat, "Congratulations to Dad's favorite team, the Atlanta Braves, for making the World Series." Uh, so I'm, the the text is in the text is in the uh, the chain right now. It just needs to hit send uh, for for my dad. So well, well, so I'm He's actually a BYU fan now. Just just to throw it out. They beat Utah out. this season. Yeah, he after the after the uh, San Diego State game where Utah lost their second in a row, he goes, "Joe's." Is there enough room for me to be a BYU fan? And I said, absolutely. I'm sending you a t-shirt. And then Utah went on to win like their next three games. So yeah, mate, your not- dad might just be the bad luck. Who knows? Angels <sighs> fan this whole time. And then switches to, I guess the Dodgers did win the World but Series. But they've been winning championships. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. But uh, so I have, so Red Sox are, you know, my favorite baseball team, 1A. But I also, as a kid who grew up and lived in Washington, D.C. for 10 years and was there when the Nationals moved to D.C., Nationals are kind of a 1B uh, in my favorite MLB team standings. So as a, a person who hates the Dodgers and whose wife, you know, as much of a fan of the Dodgers as she can be, she's not super into sports, but she claims that she likes the Dodgers and everything like that, um, mostly due to, I think, their blue hats. Um <laughs> It's tough to watch the Dodgers and see four of my five favorite baseball players in Mookie Betts, Joe Kelly, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner playing for the Dodgers. And yet still, I'm able to power through and root against the Dodgers every chance I get. So um, I, I almost was an Angels fan, Joe. As a kid, I loved Torrey Hunter. Um, quickly, I was able to, uh, or fortunately, I was able to dodge that bullet as soon as Torrey Hunter got old and, you know, 
kind of started bouncing around and didn't have any reason to like the angels anymore or else I, I may be stuck in this continuing circle of pain. Uh, that is angels fanhood with you, Joe. Yeah. Apparently Los Angeles is where superstar it's like the retirement home for superstars. Cause that's what the angels and Lakers seem to be doing. But, uh, but Trevor, can you, what, can what you call you? the angels LA? No, absolutely. Speaking of your three hours for 30 miles. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean, no. Orange County is like, if you guys are from, Se- if anyone's from Seattle is listening, it's like Bellevue uh, versus Seattle. Bellevue is a lot more conservative. It's a lot nicer. It's a lot cleaner. Uh, but uh, it's like the, if the drive yeah, from Lehigh to Salt Lake took three hours is essentially yeah. the Angels to LA. The well, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So it, it kind of depends. Like, so I live on right on the 91 freeway, which the 91 freeway is a total dumpster fire. So me just getting to Orange County takes forever. Um, but LA is even worse because you got like five or six freeways trying to intersect. And no, we I do not claim Los Angeles. The Angels do not claim Los Angeles. For some reason, Artie Moreno oh, decided that uh, it'd be better for the Angels to be called LA. And I don't think they've made the playoffs since. So. Anyway, Trevor, what, what were you watching last night? <laughs> no, I agree with Hunter's sentiment, though. We need to make Dodgers fans sad again. That is that is the goal of this postseason after they knocked my Giants out of the playoffs. But I'm not salty. Don't worry about it. Um, no, but my, my loyalty, as always, as we've made very clear on this podcast, is to my Cougars. So to be able to see the most annoying team out of Conway – yesterday drop a game to Appalachian State was amazing um probably my favorite piece out of that whole game was Chase Bryce after the game absolutely exposing Teddy Gallagher's uh message to him via Instagram uh for those of you who aren't on Twitter and haven't seen this uh Chase Bryce transferred from Clemson he was behind Trevor Lawrence obviously we know Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to sit on the bench. So Chase Bryce took it into his own hands to go play somewhere else. He transferred to Appalachian state where he received a message on Instagram from one Teddy Gallagher, a uh, linebacker for coastal Carolina and probably the owner of the ugliest mullet I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, which said, imagine transferring somewhere to lose to some kids from Myrtle beach. And that's if you win the job. And uh, Chase Bryce was more than willing to expose that after last night's 30 to 27 win. And uh, for a couple hours last night, I was an Appalachian State Mountaineer and I bled black and black and yellow. But now I'm back in Cougar blue. And that was my night. Let's be let's be honest, though. I would have watched the Jazz game if Ryan Smith's grand scheme of getting everybody in the seats by not making the game available on TV was not was not a plan set in motion so <laughs> i don't know if that's ryan's plan i mean that plan has been set in motion for the last five years when the millers were still there <laughs> yeah. is is there any plight worse than being a utah and then a jazz fan at the same time from a from a viewing perspective like it's it's basically got to be the mountain at this point right because like no one carries the jazz games and then the the platforms that do carry the jazz don't carry the pac-12 network so I don't know. I, I feel for my brethren up north because they don't really get to watch any of their teams play. 
I guess if you were like also a Diamondbacks fan in baseball, because I believe they're blacked out. Like if you get MLB TV, you can't watch because I have MLB TV. You can't watch Diamondbacks games, but there's also not like a local cable channel here in Utah that has Diamondbacks games. So you would be unable to watch that those games. Uh, And then if you're a fan of like any NFL team other than the Denver Broncos, because that's the only NFL game they show on like the Utah CBS broadcasts. So if you're a fan of if you're a fan of any but, of those. But if you can so if you can find me a Utah Utes, Jazz, Diamondbacks, non-Broncos fan, I will give you a dollar. If anyone can track me down one of those like people, Jaguars or something. Uh, send send me their Venmo and I'm buying a bunch because they're having a tough day. <laughs> let's let's be honest though, like it's kind of a blessing that those Diamondback games are blacked out with how with how good how good they are. Honestly, yeah. it's a good thing the Pac-12 can't be on TV because it <laughs> hides a lot of their uh, – it, it hides uh, Washington losing to uh, Montana. So, yeah, which is the weird thing of why the Pac-12 commissioner was, like, trying to get, like, 10 o'clock, ten a.m. kickoffs because he's like, more people need to see our product. It's like, I, I don't think that's don't what think you want. want to. I don't think you want Pac-12 <laughs> before dark. Here's what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, yeah Pac-12 before dawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, do we really want the country watching like Washington State versus Oregon State? I, I, not sure that's your brightest marketing move is to showcase I mean, those kind of, those teams. Yeah, I think we'd rather have them than Washington UCLA, but that one's going to be a high noon. That one's going to be a primetime game. It looks like so. I don't Good know. Luck. The Pac-12 Pac-12 is bizarre. Uh, but speaking of the Pac-12, uh, I'm I'm really grateful that we're moving into the uh, that, that we've left the really difficult part of the schedule of playing the Mountain West and the Big 12 and are now <laughs> moving back into Pac-12 territory. Um, Zach Zach Hicken made this uh, observation and I think it's kind of astute. Is it any like isn't it curious that BYU's best part of the season was they were playing Pac-12 teams and have struggled since they're not playing Pac-12 teams, and then Utah was struggling against everybody else, and now they look really good against the Pac-12. Like, does that say anything? I I will to that the Pac-12 is not good. <laughs> There's the elephant in the room that we just addressed, but I, I will say to to Utah's credit as well. I think, and and we'll notice this as soon as we hop back into the Big 12 and join the conference again. There is a certain advantage to f- familiarity with between teams i mean obviously you with washington state and and other teams you have coaching rollover and obviously we'll talk about it with washington state but you know other teams continue to have coaching rollover but but after a while you get a sense of each team's identity um and what byu has been able to do is obviously we don't play these teams every year and so for kalani and tuiaki to be able to figure out uh what works best against these teams has been a bright spot this year um and i think with utah having that familiarity knowing what strengths and weaknesses most teams have and what coaching philosophy they have has helped them um in a year where typically they've struggled otherwise to prepare from what i've seen yeah it's i mean honestly it just comes down to that the p4 is just different uh, that the, the, the G6 conferences, there's just, there's just kind of a gap there. Right. Um, and honestly, I, like given what's happened this year, maybe the mountain West is, is the next man up. Uh, maybe the mountain West is the new American. And then the conference USA, Mac Sunbelt and PAC 12 just have to 
to, to fight it out for college football <laughs> relevancy. I mean, uh, could happen. I guess we'll just the have American. To uh, but BYU, I'm going to need you to take care of business on Saturday or else <laughs> the podcast is going to be broadcast all over you, Twitter. Uh, even though uh, BYU still holds those bragging rights for the next three years. Thank goodness for that. Um, but no, BYU plays Washington State on Saturday. Uh, the, the, it's the battle of the Cougars. So we know one thing, the Cougars are going to win on Saturday. Um, just get that joke out of the way right now. Uh, Washington state is four and three. Um, they are riding a little bit of a hot streak. Um, they knocked off Oregon state, which was actually a really surprising, uh, win. Oregon state looked really good, uh, you know, coming in, but, um, they, they knocked off Washington. They, they knocked off Oregon state. Um, and they, they just knocked off Stanford. Uh, who had just beaten Oregon a couple weeks back. So um, this is a good, if not inconsistent, Washington State team. They've looked really – at least their their offense has gotten things figured out the last couple weeks. They um, On offense, they've looked pretty darn good. Um, and it's it's the reason they're winning football games. So, um, yeah, kind of want to start with Hunter. What are, what are you seeing from uh, this Washington State team? Yeah, I mean, it's – it's probably your typical Washington State team, exactly what you, you would expect from Washington State um, when it's not Mike Leach, really. The only thing that's changed from the Mike Leach era to the Nick Rolovich era to the now, you know, TBD era with Nick Rolovich being gone after refusing to get vaccinated, it's it's what you'd expect from a Washington State team. They don't really excel in any part of the game, right? Like they're, they're subpar in pretty much every, you know, standard category. Um, and they pass the ball a lot. Like that's what that's what when you think Washington State football and the Pac-12 and everything like that, you think Washington State being subpar and just throwing the ball all over the field, right? They're 88th uh, in total yards per game, which is pretty comparable to Arizona, uh, who we saw what their offense looked like and their failure to be able to put up points. Uh, I think they're only averaging 13 a game. Uh, they're not speaking of points per game. They're 93rd in points per game, which is pretty comparable to Utah State and USF. They're scoring just a hair under 23 a game. Uh, rushing the ball, they they you know they're sub 100 um, in the country in rushing yards per game, 111th with just a hair over 100 yards a game, uh, which again is pretty comparable to Arizona. They pass the ball 60% of the time, so they're pretty. Um, you know, that's really the one area which they uh, are, I guess you could say, better than average in. They're 42nd in the country in passing yards per game. But, uh, you know, that none of those areas really seem to be areas in which they excel. They try to throw the ball around. I know they've got, you know, a pretty decent quarterback in Delora. But um, I, I just I look at it and I think, you know, they've got they have occasionally have the big plays. Delora occasionally makes some pretty good throws. Um, they're pretty comparable to BYU in regards to the passing yards per game, uh, sitting at 257 passing yards per game, which I think is just a hair, uh, under BYU. So their passing attack is similar, but they just, it doesn't, they don't jump off, you know, the page at me in every, in any specific category, right? Just below average. They lost, you know, you look at their resume, they lost to Utah state. Uh, their wins. I, it's hard for me to play the transitive property, you know, game with Pac-12 because it's kind of like you were saying a dumpster fire right now. No one's particularly good, 
Um, you, you know, probably Oregon's their best team, but how good, we don't know. They just lost to Stanford on the road, and then Stanford loses to Washington State, everything like that. Um, it just seems like the Pac-12 is chaos. Everyone beats everyone, so it's hard for me to say, you know, well, Washington State beat Stanford, who beat Oregon, who beat Ohio State, so this Washington State team it can't be that bad, right? Like, it's just... I don't, it's it's a subpar team, I think, and it's a team that BYU should beat. Whether BYU, if they can fix some issues, right, particularly on you know the offensive, stop turning the ball exactly. over, um, things like that. So that's kind of what I see a, a, a subpar <laughs> <laughs> a subpar football team is what I see when I look at Washington State. In essence, yeah, no, I this Washington State football team. I mean, it's, it feels like they're the quintessential Pac-12 team. Like, they look really good sometimes. They look really bad sometimes. Uh, they have some head-scratching losses, but they also have some weird wins. Um, if you didn't hear my magical musical number, that the Pac-12 is just kind of like the circle of suck where everyone beats everybody. Um, so, I don't know. This this Washington State – and one thing we didn't mention from the jump is that uh, – I mean, as inconsistent as this Washington State team is, now they're going to be going at it without their head coach, uh, as well as four assistants, um, four position coaches. I think all four are on the offensive side, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they, uh, Washington just passed a state law that doesn't allow uh, that, that you have to be vaccinated to work at uh, Washington State. So that means any coaches who weren't vaccinated are out. Um, so... I mean, this is going to be a huge, uh, a huge moment for the defense to figure out what they're made of. Um, the the not having head coaches to me that doesn't tell me that like Washington State is going to come out and just be horrible because, I mean, uh, short of like coming up with a game plan, like their OC is still there. But like this is an ins- this is probably this is either going to be a really inspired or a really deflated football team, and I don't know which. Um, but it's not just this is this is going to be a different Washington State team we've seen from the last few weeks because of the circumstances surrounding it. But I need to see like this is just going to be a huge make or break game for Tuiaki for me because you can't get out coached by one coach literally one coach you don't washington state doesn't have an offensive coaching staff so if byu comes out and the defense just looks like they did against baylor where uh you know you're giving up i mean and and hunter already ran, ran down the stats this isn't a good rushing offense team they average 111 yards per game that's best for 100 that's good for 112th in the country like if you're giving up 200 yards rushing to this Washington state team. That's a problem. Um, they, they, they like to sling it around. They, they throw for 263 yards a game. The really, the only thing that they do well is passing offense. They're, you know, top they're, they're 41st in the country in that. Um, but other than that, this Washington state team, like Hunter said, isn't really elite or even great in anything. Um, but the thing that scares me is like you, you go down the, the list of like rankings where they stand, they, they're next to BYU a lot. Um, they're they're tied in sacks with BYU. Um, they're comparable in tackles for loss with BYU. Uh, they're a little bit better in BYU than p- at penalties, but like, uh, and then and then on defense, their their defense looks very similar to BYU's as well. So, um, 
for me, this Washington State team looks like a more they look like a faster Utah State is kind of what their what their offense and defensive schemes remind me of. Um, but I, I I would say more talented, but Utah State beat Washington State in Pullman to start the year. Uh, so really it just comes down to like what what teams are we getting? Like I know that BYU is good enough to beat Washington State, but Washington State at their best can also beat BYU. But uh, what are you seeing, Trev? Yeah, no, to, to touch on just really quick, you mentioned obviously the, the coaches that will no longer be there. Um, just an interesting note, Washington State's leading tackler, Jihad Woods, will actually have to sit out the first quarter of this football game due to a targeting penalty that he got against Stanford last week. So I'm interested to see uh, what Roderick and the offense can do to kind of challenge his backup for at least that first quarter. Cause I think, I think you're right, Joe. I think one of the biggest question marks here is what Washington state team is going to come out. Is it a team that's upset that their coach is gone or is it a team that is, you know, deflated and, you know, missing these position groups and their, and their head coach, obviously. And I, so I think the first quarter offensively for BYU is going to be a huge place to kind of step on their neck um, and really take control of this game. I think that's one thing that I, that I really, we've seen maybe one time with USF where we jumped out to a really hot start. Um, and then we did, we took our foot off the gas. I would like to see us start that way and then end just as strong. And I think we should be able to put this team away. Um, an interesting thing for me is Hunter touched on this as well, is we, there are questions that need to be answered for this BYU defense. Um, like you guys said, Washington state doesn't run the ball a lot. It's about, they run the ball about 44% of the time officially. Uh, so predominantly they like to pass more than half the time, obviously. Um, but their running back is talented. Uh, Max Borgie runs really physical. He can catch out of the backfield. Um, they don't use him honestly, as much as I think they should, uh, just from what I've seen. And I would imagine if they watch the Baylor film that that percentage of, of rushing to passing might look a little bit more even on Saturday if the defense is unable to stop the run. They like to run a lot of outside zone, uh, especially to the the long side of the field. Um, and Max Borgie does a good job of getting north and south. So I would like to see our front seven really step up. Um, this offensive line is not nearly as good as Baylor's. So I don't think that will be nearly as big of a problem as Baylor's was. Um, but yeah, a lot of questions that need to be answered on the defense, but predominantly for me, I would love to see a hot start from our offense to start the game. For sure. And so I, I kind of want to get started with uh, more specifically Washington state's offense. Um so Jacob Delora, he's so he's kind of had an, an up and down season. Um, he was their starter from the jump, uh, lost, but after losing to Utah State and USC, um, and the offense was not looking very good at all. Um, he got benched uh, against Utah. Uh, Jared Jarrett Garantano got the start. Um, I mean, I thought he was a, a shoe in starter. Uh, from the start, but that was probably because Caden Hawes chucked his shoe against Tennessee about 50 yards. Um, But uh, no, 
that was a dumb joke. I'm sorry, guys. I, I had to I had to try and get a shoe joke in with because Jarrett Garantano is on the team. You may remember <laughs> him. He was Tennessee's quarterback uh, in 2019 when BYU beat them. But uh, sorry about that. Um, no, but then uh, but Delora got the job back after Utah because the offense didn't look very good against Utah either. Um, and he's been pretty darn good. Um, California against Cal, he was a little shaky. Oregon State and Stanford, and he was just slinging it all over the field. Um, this this guy's got some talent. Um, he kind of strikes me as a, uh, I don't know, Arizona, like Hunter kind of mentioned it. He kind of reminds me of like a Gunner Cruz, where he's got some talent. He can sling it around, but he's not like he's definitely not the best quarterback BYU's going to play all season. Um, but he can he can move a little bit. Um, I, I, unfortunately I might see this as a game where BYU looks like they have him bottled up a few different times and he just escapes the pocket a la USF. Um, the, the question is who's like, will BYU be able to tackle in the open field because Washington state has a quarterback talented enough and a running back talented enough to make people miss in space. Yeah. I, I look at Delora and I think my biggest question for him is can we get into his head early? He is a little bit, um, he's emotionally charged, which is what makes him good. So his highs are really high, um, but his lows are really low. He is a little undisciplined. Um, he got suspended from the team at the beginning of the year for uh, breaking team rules. Um, and so this is a guy that when he's hot, he's hot. Um, but when he's off, it's it can be really bad. And so I think like Joe mentioned, containing him in the pocket he's not necessarily one that's going to take off and run a whole bunch um, but he is going to extend plays and when he does his eyes he's a lot like zach and his eyes go way downfield he's not looking for the check down when he's running around out there uh he's he's looking for the the deep bomb so um obviously the corners are going to have to trust the front seven to get home um but the corners are also going to need to work Uh, just to stay in front of these corners uh, just so we don't give up these big plays. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Hunter. I was just going to say, my biggest question in regards to the Washington state offense probably goes back to what Trevor said in his initial breakdown. And that's the fact that we don't really know what to expect from Washington state now because of how many coaches they lost. Right. I mean, four assistants and their head coach, and I know their defensive coordinator, And I believe their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator for sure is still there because he's now the acting head coach. And I believe their offensive coordinator is still there as well. But, uh, you know, without a head coach, without so many position coaches, like we don't know what to expect. We don't know if that 60 percent pass play percentage is going to drop. We don't know if they're going to play more, you know, into the Max uh, Borgie, you know, role and try to feed him the ball more. What they're going to do, more play action, what have you. Right. So essentially what we're dealing with is almost an Arizona game situation where, you know, BYU played pretty conservatively in after the game, you know, the coaches came out and they're like, yeah, we played conservative because we didn't really have any film on these guys. And, and, and while they have film on the individual players, they don't have any film on the coaches and what kind of plays they run and their schemes and things like that. Right. Like they can they can probably have an educated guess on what Washington state's going to do just kind of based off of tendencies and things like that. But with a totally revamped coaching staff and something that, you know, was changed during the week, right? Like Washington state didn't know 
that they were going to have to fire Nick Rolovich until Monday. And so essentially you have four days to prepare with a new coaching staff. How much changes, how much of the playbook do they get rid of? You know, what do they do? It's, you know, no one really has any idea. And I think we can speculate and we can guess, but in essence, this is almost like a first game of the season situation where you kind of have to go off what you've seen in the past, but also be ready for anything different and for them to come out with totally different looks and totally different game plan and different schemes and everything like that and be ready to adapt. And that's, I think, you know, when I talk about the questions defensively, that's kind of the big one is, is BYU going to be able to adapt if Washington state comes out and suddenly they're not throwing the ball 60% of the time, right? Like, can they be able to adapt? Can they be able to make changes and to, to execute those changes properly and be a, a assignment sound uh, and be able to stop this Washington, Washington state attack that really is not that good, but can come out and probably surprise you and punch you in the mouth early if you're not ready. Yeah. So to, to Trevor's point, like Jacob Delora is kind of like, uh, he said in the, in the chat earlier that they kind of look like 2019 Hawaii. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of accurate because I feel like with Jaden Delora, uh, the college football gods flip a coin when he drops back to pass. It's either going to be a big play or it's not, uh, or it's going to be like a a pick or uh, falling complete. Like he's not the most accurate passer in the world, but he can drop dimes. Like he's, he's got a great arm. Um, I I honestly think this is going to be a game where BYU fans are probably going to be a little frustrated with the defense because of the scheme. Um, Washington State doesn't run the ball exceptionally well. Uh, even against Stanford, I, I thought the offense, the, the Washington State offense looked great against Stanford. Uh, Max Borgie is, he can move. Um, he's, he's a quick little running back. But, uh, but behind him, this team doesn't run the football very well. And I know that we said that against uh, Boise State. <clears throat> but I don't expect this BYU team to come out like they did against Baylor where the, the entire game is just a, a variation of a run blitz where it's seven guys along the line of scrimmage. Like this is BYU is probably going to go back to more of their, their base defense and drop a lot of people into coverage because these Washington state receivers are good enough to get behind you. And to Trevor's point, um, you can't let these guys get behind you. You can't let these Washington state receivers get behind you. So I expect this to be a very similar game. Um, that, that we're used to from BYU where they're probably going to drop seven into coverage more often. Um, looking into how Delora is against, against the rush. He's actually better when he's pressured. Um, he uh, completes. So when he's not blitz, he completes 64% of his passes, um, seven touchdowns, two interceptions and seven yards in attempt. When he is blitzed, uh, he's 58% for five for nine yards in attempt uh, eight touchdowns and three picks. So whether or not you blitz him, uh, it honestly doesn't really make a difference because he's quick enough to escape the pocket. So I don't think BYU is going to send a ton of pressure, um, like they did last week, or even like, I, I expect they'll probably blitz maybe like nine or 10 times as opposed to the 19 that they sent last week. Um, and I think all of that is an effort to keep Washington state in front of them. Uh, so the question is, is can BYU get them off the field on third down? BYU is going to get them two third downs a lot, 
Um, right now, Washington State converts 38% of their third downs. If BYU can hold them to that percentage, I like BYU's chances of keeping Washington State under 24 points. Um, but with that, let's uh, let's let's move more to the uh, their their defensive side of the ball. Um, what Hunter? What kind of a performance do you expect from this uh, BYU offense uh, on Saturday? Hopefully uh, an improved one than we've seen the last couple of weeks, particularly in the run game, right? Like BYU needs to get back to the lean on Tyler Algier role that they kind of did the first few weeks, right? Like that's when we've seen the BYU offense have the most success. And I know, you know, Jaron Hall has been playing great the last few weeks and, and he played great against Baylor. He, he looked, you know, above average against Boise state. I think all things considered, especially with the injury and not being completely healthy, um, he played fine against Boise State, but BYU was winning and they were at their most dangerous when Tyler Algier was running the ball effectively. And so they're going to need to get back to that. They need to be able to create the running lanes for Tyler Algier. Uh, I mean, this is a team, again, when I talk about Washington State's pretty subpar and everything, uh, defensively, they're pretty subpar. They're averaging uh, 388 yards allowed per game, which is pretty much identical to the BYU defense, right? So if you think the BYU defense is no good, uh, to all the BYU fans out there who are saying that the BYU defense uh, isn't any good or, you know, the coaching isn't good, what have you, the Washington State defense is pretty much identical in terms of how many yards they give up per game. Uh, so this is a defense that BYU should be able to move the ball on. They are 79th in the country in rushing yards allowed, or averaging over 150 rushing yards allowed per game. Uh, so between Tyler Algier and Lapini Katoa, they should be able to, you know, at least get, break that 150 uh, rushing yards mark, which I don't, I mean, when was, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but it seems like they've failed to do that the last couple of games. And so if BYU can get back to running the ball, get back to leaning on Tyler Algier and then allow that to open the passing game, right? Give it to Tyler Algier, feed the man, let him go crazy. Uh, and then have Puka Nakua beat the defense over the top. Again, not a great uh, passing defense either, 63rd in the country for Washington State. So uh, they, I think BYU's got to come out. They've got to establish the run first, something that they've failed to do the last couple of games, uh, and and then allow the wide receivers and the Nakua brothers and Neil and Gunner to do what they do best, and that's get open and and go for big plays. I think an interesting stat as well that I would like to focus on in – this game is uh, BYU's red zone scoring. So interestingly enough, the best thing that Washington state does is they hold their opponent red zone scoring percentage to 68%, which is actually 10th in the country at this point. Um, watching some of the games, I feel like some of that fell on the offenses doing a little too much, uh, which scares me because that is something that we've talked about on this podcast a couple of times now, which is our offense tends to be a little bit too fancy in the red zone or at least in the, at least in the goal line. Um, and so I would like to see us finish uh, with touchdowns, uh, not necessarily field goals when we're in the red zone, kind of flip that stat on its head. Um, but yeah, this is a, you know, we were talking about the defense, obviously this is a team. One of the things I've noticed with the linebackers, they struggle uh, to get depth. So there's typically a lot of space between the linebackers and the safeties. Um, again, with Jihad Woods being out for the first quarter uh, and a new linebacker being in for that game, um, I think that that will be 
made even more prominent um, with, with the backup. And so I think you attack that side of the field. Uh, but but just to reiterate what Hunter said, you have to get Tyler Algier back involved. Uh, we know that Jaron can throw it. We know that Puka's been an absolute animal. Uh, but their jobs only get easier if Jaron, uh, excuse me, if, well, Jaron needs to run too, frankly. But if, if Tyler Algier can run and get loose, it's only going to make everybody's job on the offense better. Um, the Stanford's tight end um, had an incredible game played really, really well against Washington State last week. I'd love to see Isaac Rex get more involved. Uh, would love to see Dallin Holker um, come to fruition. We've heard so much about him as well. I think, again, with that middle of the field being open, um, that the tight ends could benefit as long as they're able to find uh, the open spots. For sure. I, I think Trevor nailed it with with the – Washington State's defensive scheme where the linebackers do struggle to to get depth. There is a lot of space between uh, the safeties and the linebackers, which really both, in my opinion, bodes well for for BYU's offense. They they do like they're not a very aggressive defense, but they're a fast defense. Um, they were still able to get pressure last week against Stanford, um, only blitzing nine times, but they were they were able to get pressured um, only rushing four a lot of the time. So th this is a fast Washington State defense. I'm not sure if it's a good Washington State defense. Um, Hunter Hunter's kind of run down the stats, but like this Washington State is going to drop into coverage a lot, and it's going to leave a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups for this offensive line, um, and even maybe a, a, a double team or two. The good news is um, I've been told that Harris Lachance and Joe Tukawafu are back at practice, um, uh, and and should be back on the field. Um, that that's huge. Uh, Joe Tukawafu is the, the best run defender that BYU has. Um, he was splitting time early on with Connor pay. Um, and Joe Tukawafu is definitely the better run defense run, uh, run blocker than Connor pay is, um, Harris Lachance. I love, I love what Campbell Barrington's done. Uh, one, one writer has him as a true freshman All-American, which is awesome for him, but he struggled a little bit last week. Harris Lachance, I think, will will be a step up, will definitely be a step up from uh at the at the right tackle position than what we've seen. So I expect BYU's offensive line to perform better. Um I I'd like to maybe see a little bit more of the the run, the the running back depth uh show up. I'd like to see a little bit of as good as Tyler Algier is has been and he's been awesome. I'd honestly like to see him get I'd, I'd like to see the load shared a little bit. I'd like to see more of Lup, uh, Lupini Katoa and even a little bit of Hinkley Rapati or Jackson McChesney, depending on, on, on what the, the looks are. Um, something needs to change with this BYU rushing attack. Um, and, and hopefully the, the jump start is just that the, the two that the, the BYU offensive line is, is finally healthy. Um, as far as the passing in goes, like, their secondary isn't great. Um, I mean, 85th in the country. I, I, I honestly, I don't think BYU is going to play a team the rest of the way. I think that they can match up with Puka and Gunner. I just don't. Um, I think last week was probably going to be the the toughest secondary that, that BYU is going to face the rest of the way. Um, and and they couldn't contain those two. So I, I think this is going to be a game where BYU's offense breaks open a little bit. Um, at, at least I hope so. It, it has to happen at some point. This, this BYU offense has enough potential to, to break open. Um, we've seen that in spurts throughout the season. 
this I really hope this is a game that BYU can put it together. This has to be a game that BYU can put it together and go and, and go over 35 at least and hopefully even push 40 um, with what this uh, Washington State defense looks like. The key to that is not turning the ball over. I mean, we've, yeah. we we talked about then, how this is a below average team for Washington State in pretty much every category and the yards that they give up and, you know, the passing yards, rushing yards, all that good stuff. One thing that the Washington State defense excels in is takeaways. At the 2.2 takeaways per game, they're 10th in the country in forced turnovers, things like that. Like that, this is, you, we talk about, you know, BYU being a bend don't break style of defense, Washington State is that same way where it's we're going to give up a ton of yards, but we're going to either turn you over or help keep you out of the end zone at the end of the day, right? So it's all about capitalizing in the red zone because BYU is going to be able to get their yards. Like they, every team against Washington State has shown that they can go up and down the field. It's just about closing drives. And if BYU can just close drives, find success in the red zone, as Trevor was talking about, and not turn the ball over, not shoot yourself in the foot, with fumbles or with thrown interceptions, things like that, which Washington State has shown a tendency to do really well. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, make you fumble the ball. They're gonna get in those passing lanes and pick off passes. If BYU can just avoid those self-inflicted uh, wounds by not capitalizing in the red zone and turning the ball over, this is a game where BYU should uh, undoubtedly be able to break thirty-five points. Absolutely. And so with that, let's get to our. Let's get to our hot takes and predictions. Um, my hot take, I think we're going to see a different performance from this BYU defense. Um, that coupled with uh, the, I think that coupled with Washington State's offensive uh, coaching situation, I think uh, this is a game where BYU's defense is, is going to look a lot better than they did last week. My hot take is that uh, BYU will hold Washington State to their average or, or under um, in rushing yards. Their, their average right now is 112 or 111 yards per game. Um, I think this this BYU defense can hold Washington State under that. Um, we've seen it before. We've, we've seen it against Arizona. We've seen it against Utah State. And I this, this Washington State rushing attack looks a lot more similar to those two teams than it does Baylor. Um, I do think that uh, Washington State is probably going to rely a little bit more on the run than they have in weeks past because of what they've seen with BYU's defense. And with again, with their coaching situation, they're probably going to go a little bit more conservative and try and control the clock. Um, but I, again, I think BYU's defense is going to come out angry, come out way more aggressive, and I think the defensive scheme is going to be better suited uh, for Washington State. So I, I, I see BYU holding Washington State to under their, their season average in rushing. I like uh, it. Um, my hot take is going to need a little bit of a little bit of context, just because I know with Puka we've talked about the 100 yards, two touchdowns, 150 yards, two touchdowns. You're right. The hot take. <laughs> I'm going to actually move over to his older brother, Samson. So Samson, so far this year, he has two touchdowns and he's had them in big moments this year, uh, but he has five receptions for 52 yards. Um, I'm going to say that he doubles his receiving yards, uh, Samson for 50 yards receiving and a touchdown. Ooh, I'm shocked. He has that little, it feels like he's been uh, like, like more 
30 of those had to be that one Boise State touchdown catch. Right. And that's the thing is he, he's a threat in the red zone. Um, he had kind of that that fake in and then out that kind of broke the uh, corner's ankles against Utah. Yeah. Um, but I I do see him becoming more of a threat uh, vertically this game. So I'm going to give him 50 yards, yeah, 50 yards and touchdown. So. I like it. Um, I'm going to go kind of in, along that same vein as Joe, where I think this is a game where the BYU defense needs to come out angry and play angry and play aggressive and, uh, you know, fly around to the ball and kind of have that same energy that we saw them have against Utah, right? And I know it's a, a little different to replicate the Utah game energy for a game against Washington, Washington State on the road. Um, but after back-to-back, you know, losses and a really disappointing game against Baylor and, you know, a, a really bad showing against the Bears, BYU defense needs to come out hungry and they need to act like it and, you know, prove that they belong and that, they, that the Baylor game and uh, their recent struggles have just been flukes and that they're the defense that we saw against Arizona State and Utah. So I'm going to go ahead. Washington State is turning the ball over two times a game uh, or just a hair under two times a game right now at 1.8 and BYU is only forcing 1.5 turnovers per game. I think BYU in the spirit of doubling things like Trevor is, I think BYU doubles their takeaway average and I think they force three turnovers uh, against Washington State this weekend. That's going to be my hot take. Love it. Um, as far as predictions go, my uh, I've debated this. Do I go with my heart or do I go with my gut? Or do I, do I, or do I go with my heart or do I go with my head? Um, 98 degrees demands I be true to my heart. And so I'm going to predict that BYU actually looks really good um, on both sides of the ball. Moves to 4-0 in Pac-12 play. Uh, interesting stat, the first 4-0 start in Pac-12 play in the state of Utah history. Um, and, talent gap. Uh, talent gap. <laughs> uh, I think BYU pulls this one out. Uh, I'm going to go 38-21. to 21. Okay. I, it's, uh, the thing is, is I'm battling this too, because it really depends on the defense getting the offense, the ball back, because I think the offense is going to be able to score. It's just how many times will they have the opportunity to score and with how much time. Um, and for me, I, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in the defense. I'm going to say 42, 28 for BYU. They finally break that 40. 40 point mark. Wow. You guys, I thought I had a high scoring game and then you guys put mine to shame, but <laughs> the Trevor's stat about the red zone concerns me. Uh, couple that with BYU's weird red zone play calling concerns me. Um, and, and kind of the struggles that they've had there. And, um, but I think I think this is a game where the BYU defense comes out with, you know, and there's a lot of different things going on with Washington State. Obviously, we don't know what to expect. You know, the will they come out deflated or will they come out, you know, with a fire lit? Uh, who knows? But I think this is one of those games where BYU is going to have to come out and they're going to have to come out strong right out the gate. Right. You can't give Washington State any sort of momentum with a game like this and the emotion that's going to be behind it. And BYU's two game losing streak like they need to come out. And, and do what we talked about earlier in the week, and that's kind of that punch you in the mouth uh, mentality and um, enforce your will. And I think BYU does that. I think the coaches are going to have them ready. I think this is a game where BYU comes out of the gate strong, um, but I do think that they're going to have to settle a couple times in the red zone. So I'm going to go 34 
to 17 uh, for BYU. Those three forced turnovers uh, helps hold Washington State under 20 points. I think BYU, for the most part, has success on the off on the offensive side of the ball, running with Tyler Algier and then letting Puka and Samson take the top off the defense. Um, but ultimately, probably has to settle on a couple possessions with a couple of field goals. So, uh, 34, 17 Cougars. All right, love it. Uh, yeah, and and at the risk, in case any Washington State fans are listening to this, Washington State is talented enough to beat BYU. I think we've seen uh, like Washington, especially how they've been looking on offense lately. This is a game that can get out of the way, like can get out of hand for BYU uh, if they don't do what Hunter said, if they don't limit turnovers, if they struggle to run the ball and they can't convert in the red zone, this could get messy. Yeah. Uh, I, this BYU. Washington state team, I think is more talented than Boise. Oh, and absolutely. we, and BYU lost to Boise at home and is, you know, ranked 10th in the country. Yeah. So, so like it's potentially, a, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like this is Washington state team that has the talent to beat BYU. If BYU doesn't execute properly. Yeah, and, and so again, it comes down to what can the defense do. The good news is, I, I didn't throw the stat in earlier, but I think it's relevant. Washington State is 118th in red zone offense uh, at 71%. Um, like, and that that's akin to more like Utah State. I think someone mentioned that earlier. But uh, like this defense, this this game was tailor-made for a bend-don't-break type game. So Tuyaki, <laughs> I'm putting my faith in you. I am I am begging you. To hold Washington State under twenty, like under twenty-four. If you can hold Washington State to under twenty-four, if you have a similar game to what you had against Utah State, where you absolutely eliminate the the rushing attack um, and can keep them out of the end zone in the red zone, this again, this is a game that BYU should win and should win by double digits. So, uh, any closing thoughts? Go Cougs! Yep, go Cougs! Not the Washington State ones. <laughs> go Blue Cougs! Cougs, yeah, should be a fun one. Uh, for any of the fans going up to Pullman for the game, uh, you guys are gonna have an awesome time. Be loud, be proud, uh, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys on Monday with uh, with different music as BYU comes out with a win and moves to four and zero in Pac-12 play. I deleted that audio file from my computer, so I don't want to have to re-download it. Never losing again. Woo! Hype train, let's go!